0: Welcome to Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Sudhir Doss, Chief Data Officer at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Sudhir is responsible for creating the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network's data and technology vision and strategy, and for all patient data generated from PanCan's scientific and medical affairs initiatives. He oversees a team responsible for health data organization-wide at Pancan. Prior to his current role, he worked as director of the Precision Medicine Practice for Price Waterhouse Coopers. Sudhir is a double Bruin, earning a BS in microbiology and molecular genetics, and then his PhD in human genetics from the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine in 2006. Sudhir, welcome to Bruin Success. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So, to get us started, can you talk about the mission of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network and a little more about what your everyday work entails?
1: Absolutely. So, at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, our mission is quite simple it's to improve the lives of all pancreatic cancer patients everywhere. We really take a a multi pronged approach to this um, very difficult disease. Um, we fund research, we do research ourselves, um, we do patient advocacy on Capitol Hill to raise um, government funding for more research. Um, we have a call center that directly serves patients and their families and they can come to us with, for any type of resources they need or ask any questions to help them throughout their journey. Um, and we have a large widespread volunteer community across the country that does things like raise awareness in their local communities and such. Um, At PANCAN, um, my primary responsibility really is around managing all of the patient health data that's generated through our scientific and medical affairs programs. So to give you an example, we have a patient registry that has a few thousand patients in it uh, with patient-reported information. Um, That's one data source. We have a program we call know your tumor um, that offers molecular profiling for patients who um, can't get that directly from their provider we work with their physicians to do that and we collect their treatment and outcomes data we have that for a couple of thousand patients Um, we have all the data that's collected through our call center and then we recently launched a a, a large-scale platform study, um, a clinical trial, and we'll be collecting a lot of different uh, uh, data and information from those patients for, for ancillary research. Um, so how do we bring all that together in the most meaningful way and get it into the hands of, of you know, bright minds um, as quickly and efficiently as possible is sort of my primary role.
0: Got it. Wow, that you all do a lot. How how what's the size of your organization?
1: Um, we're about a 40 million dollar organization sometimes you struggle with sort of uh pre-pandemic and post-pandemic that's a pre-pandemic number um we have 150 roughly 150 fte uh mostly manhattan beach california um we have a satellite office in washington dc that does our our policy work uh, primarily uh here in
0: california oh wow that's amazing so, most people may not associate the importance of data as it relates to medicine. Can you speak about how data plays a role in modern medicine and healthcare?
1: Yeah, first of all, I mean, I think uh, you cannot overstate the role it plays, particularly uh, where we are today and going into the future. Um, with the emergence of precision medicine, you know, from a research science into the clinic, really. Um, in the last decade or two, um, there's just been a burst of data generation. Um, data collected in EMRs and folks trying to figure out how to free that up and glean the insights in there, but also now pretty routinely at leading academic medical centers, um, you know, a multitude of molecular profiling technologies for all patients. And hidden in all that data are great insights and um, you know, um, new advances. Um, that we just don't know yet. So it's incredibly important, um, and I think will be increasingly important not only in from a research perspective and a retrospective perspective, but ultimately at the point of care and in clinical decision making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can say I'm sure. Just like you said, given where we are right now, it's the importance is only going to increase of people seeing just how we can use data to make sure people are making informed decisions and thinking about patients and how we can improve, you know, healthcare for all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous and booming industry of sorts, you know, that's emerged over say the past 10 years, you know, there's, there's new industry segments, uh, data aggregators that sole purpose is to bring these data together in a way that's meaningful. Um, and literally billions in investment uh, are going into it so it's uh, here to stay that's for sure.
0: So your career journey seems very unique. Can you talk about how you made the transition from PWC to pancan and your overall career direction?
1: Sure yeah um, the, the unique aspect of it actually starts a bit before that. Um, so I was doing my doctorate there in, in genetics and bioinformatics. Um, at that point I knew I I love the science, but I wanted to learn more about the business side of things. So I, I mean, in addition to, I took, started taking classes at UCLA Extension, actually, on some of the business aspects. And I, I knew I didn't want to go back to school and get an MBA. I'd been in school 10 years at that point. And I thought, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to make some money. Um, so I chose management consulting. And it was a little bit naive because I think nobody really knows what management consulting is until you do it. But it actually ended up being a really rewarding career choice, and um, was one aspect of it was true to what I thought, which was I got an MBA on the job. You know, three years, four years in, I was interviewing fresh MBA graduates for jobs, um, and I really learned the ins and outs of the business side of science um, on the job there. Um, you know, what was also great is was just how lucky I was on the timing. That was also when, you know, genomics. Um, was coming out of sort of um being just a research tool to being used in the clinic and that meant a lot of disruption across the healthcare industry and disruption means a lot of consulting gigs and so i was able to focus and leverage my, my scientific background um but apply it in a business world um you know most of my engagements were related to precision medicine and that you know could range from working with um, academic medical centers to scale their genomics operations to working with molecular diagnostics companies, working with pharma companies in the context of companion diagnostics, um, working with investment firms that were looking to enter this market and, and make some investments. And so it was kind of all things precision medicine related um, for the for about eight years. And then suddenly, you know, it's funny when you're consulting, you sort of have your finger on the pulse of where things are going because people are asking you about them. Then all of a sudden, all my projects started having to do with data. Okay, we've collected all this data. How do we generate value from it? And that value, um, depending on what stakeholder you're talking about, you know, if it's um, an integrated health system, the value comes in the form of research and you know, improved clinical outcomes. Um, if you're a data aggregator or a, or a pharma company, it might come in the, in the form of monetary uh, value. So how do we monetize these? How do we commercialize? How do you productize data? And that became the focus of a bunch of projects towards the last three, four years of consulting. Um, And interestingly, that led me to PanCan. So PanCan had started gathering all these data. They were on the cusp of uh, launching this large clinical trial. And they said, you know, we need to have a strategy on how we're going to handle all this. So I was actually consulting there for about six months with PwC. and then, you know, sort of the rest is history, as they say. But um, um, then I ended up joining them full
0: time. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's awesome. Um, and I think your point, like you said, about how people, you don't really know what, well, fully what management consulting is until you're in it. Um, I've heard that before, too. But um, that's amazing to hear kind of how the data kept coming up for you. And those projects that were focused on that allowed you, and like you also said, to get really an MBA on the job and then also from consulting and working with PanCan to kind of move into their world um, following PwC. So for many alumni listening who either work in data science or data analytics, or even our students listening who are looking to cr- pursue careers in that area, what skills are most critical to being successful in a data centered role?
1: Um, you know, first I should start by saying, you know there's gonna be tremendous opportunity in this space particularly with anyone with some technical depth. And when I say technical, not just on sort of um, the um, um, IT side technical, but technical when it comes to science um, or medicine, you know, clinical science or or basic science. And, um, you know, I'm a little biased because I've only seen one path, the one I took, but I'd say, you know, it really helps open up doors to be well-rounded. Uh, to balance uh, and it's difficult right because you spend your whole lifetime trying to learn you know ex, you know expertise build expertise in one area but to be well-rounded around the technology but also the business it's very difficult because I'm actually trying to hire one now uh, it's very difficult to find people that are well-rounded and go deep enough on the technical front um, but have sort of uh, um, you know the business prowess to communicate effectively, to be a leader um, and to build teams and to be well rounded like that, the opportunities really will be endless in this space. Um, These folks are in extremely high demand right now and it's that um, balanced view, um, I think that's um, difficult to find.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's such an important point is, like you said, having the technical skills and experience and also being able to kind of build up your soft skills and the business acumen so that you have, you know, each of those foundational kind of that foundational knowledge covered and can come into the role and feel like you, you know, once again, can do the data work, but also how do you communicate that to audiences who don't have a background in data and things like that? Absolutely. Yeah so all data of course has privacy implications but medical data especially needs extra layers of security and confidentiality in a world where we see lots of data breaches what does your team do to make sure your data is safe and secure
1: yeah so i mean there's a lot of different measures that we put in place um i should say most Notably, well, one is, you know, we ensure that all of our privacy and security is, you know, at the highest most level, as um, do we ensure that of all of our vendors. Um, Secondly, we do not keep um, personal information with the health data on site in our, you know, in some servers on site at PanCam. That's all held by our vendors who have, you know, expertise. In those areas, and again, we do expert reviews of all their privacy and security policies to ensure they're as strong as possible. Um, we also ensure that you know all the staff associated with our health data is properly trained. Um, that's extremely important, and that we have the appropriate checks and balances and, and policies and procedures in place to, to manage those things on an ongoing basis. Um, oh,
0: that's fantastic. So, what do you think is the next big thing in data as it relates to medicine or healthcare, and anything specifically related to COVID's impact and how you all are navigating that?
1: The next big thing, you know, I think there's one thing that has really been the big thing that I'm not sure anyone's quite um, solved for yet. And that's really to accumulate a critical mass of data that includes, you know, whole patient journeys. Um, patient treatments, patient outcomes, but also a a pretty detailed molecular workup in a way that it can use to actually inform clinical decision-making. So the way sort of um, clinical guidelines, national guidelines, and the regulatory processes work, they don't really enable one to say, Hey, look, I have this great database. It's saying every time I see this mutation, I should give this drug. You can't just look at that and then, you know, see it and give the drug. So the whole field, including the regulators are evolving towards what's inevitable, which is we should be using the best of our information that we have to make decisions. It's just not quite there yet. There's not enough data. It's not robust enough. Um, but I, I anticipate we will get there and, and probably in smaller use cases in certain disease areas where it's more straightforward. But I think that's what I look forward to coming, um, seeing that come to fruition because I've seen it and dealt with it in, on many, many businesses that, you know, had um, aspirations of, of reaching that point. But it's, it's a big problem. It's not just a data problem. Um, it's just, you know, the whole system hasn't been really, um, um, you know built to to
0: make decisions
1: on primarily a real-time data-based way.
0: So yeah, and I'm sure like you said, um, a system like that that you know you see this need and and that coming to fruition at some point would be so beneficial for all the healthcare and medical professionals, like you said, to be able to really see the full patient journey and evaluate, you know, how different illnesses and things like that are impacted you Know with the medications they're taking and all of that,
1: you know, primarily as an organization, we're concerned about pancreatic cancer patients and their access mm-hmm. to health care amidst the pandemic. Um, we, you know, have a lot of anecdotal evidence that, you know, rightfully people are less likely to go get checkups and, um, li- likely to, to avoid large tertiary centers and travel to get treatment and so on, and, um, you know, with pancreatic cancer, um, I didn't talk about it, but, you know, we lose 80 to 85% of our patients in year one. It's diagnosed very late because the symptoms are often, um, you know, very common things for older people, backache, you know, abdominal ache. And, you know, if you're in the middle of a pandemic, you're probably less likely to get those subtle symptoms checked out. So we have real concerns there and continue to educate all of our patients about it and I'm I'm very curious you know there's going to be years and years of studies that come out um as we emerge from this pandemic about how you know other um disease areas were impacted by this um and I fear the news won't be great but um you know we continue to be steadfast um to try and educate our patients that their treatment is important
0: right yeah i think that's That's a huge theme, even just as an everyday citizen, I've seen too, and even like talking to my parents and things like that as they're getting older, um, like you said, just this extra, these new layers of fear and anxiety around going to to healthcare appointments and getting those regular checkups and that people, like you said, that I'm sure that data will come out and seeing the impact. Um, And it's, yeah, it's definitely really challenging for so many. You lead a very important team at Pancan. Can you talk about your leadership style and how you've continued to refine and enhance your management and leadership skills throughout your career?
1: I think first off, my, my leadership style, I don't know, probably a better question for my direct reports, but um, <laughs> I can tell you what I try to do. Um, right. You know, I try to be very transparent. Um, I try not to ask anything of anybody that I wouldn't do myself. Um, we run our organization in general fairly flat um, in that we partner on a lot of things. You know, it's partly because of the size of the organization, which is not small, but not huge. Um, and just partly um, our mindset is that, you know, we, we dive in and roll our sleeves up. Um, there's not a couple of leaders sitting at the top telling everyone what to do. Um, yeah, so I think the best is to be honest and transparent. And open and encourage communication, you know, and, and work um, as partners versus as a boss and you know um, a direct report. Um, you know, as an organization, also we continue to um, build on our leadership skills annually. We bring in external folks and go through sort of a leadership offsite where we have a number of different exercises to enhance our skills. Um, We have several trainings throughout the year, whether it's, you know, informal and we're offered, you know, um, a book, you know, some Harvard Business School book uh, to read and we have homework assignments associated with it or if we have external speakers or we go through a group exercise, just things that um, leverage some of the historic um, leading frameworks to try and enhance our skills. Um, So, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to learn more um you know from people um about how to be a better leader and i think the key is just being open to it you're never really there um you always have more to grow um, So,
0: yeah definitely and i think um that point of transparency and you know openness to being able to share and like you said making sure people are more partners than someone's telling someone what to do. Um, especially I think from the top when it comes to leadership, I I feel like when you see organizations that really do that well, those are organizations where, you know, people know even from the frontline employees all the way up to the top that their voice matters and they're valued there. So yeah, I think that's really great. So my final question for you is since leaving UCLA, how has your career and life experiences shaped how you define success?
1: That's kind of a tough one. Yeah. Um, you know, life is kind of goes on a, on a trajectory. I mean, you know, when I think back to undergrad, I had some interest in science, but for no real well-educated reason thought genetics was the future and picked that major. Um, that led me to falling in love with it and then going to continuing in grad school. Um, and then when I shifted over to consulting, I was just laser focused on career probably worked 18 hours a day 20 hours a day for years and years and it was all about career um and then you know at one point you sort of turn the corner and say okay now what's you know what's next um and then now you know now i have a wife and three kids and you know traveling every week and working you know 16, 18 hours a day, you start missing out on things. And I was doing it a little bit, you know, um, and different things get important, right? Um, So it just became a little bit more about balance. But also, I mean, again, life is such a combination of, you know, being prepared and getting lucky. Um, You know, this opportunity land, I wasn't looking for an opportunity. I should have been probably, but I wasn't. And it landed in my lap, and I fell in love with the organization, the mission, what we're doing. We operate like an innovative startup company as a nonprofit, um, and it really was an opportunity for me to apply everything I had learned and talked about. Because you talk a lot as a consultant, to actually do it. Um, and, and so it was just an amazing opportunity at the right time. Um, so I would just say, you know, there's kind of an arc to your life as to what's the most important at certain times and where you emphasize and. Dedicate your time. Um, I think it, it, it sort of comes naturally. I think, um, and ultimately, in the end, what's most important is you know that you and those around you are happy. So you know that's the ultimate litmus test. And I think the career follows.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's I really appreciated your answer to that. I think so true about um, your career being an arc in your life. Really, like you said, um, and being able to evaluate depending on where you're at you do reach those kind of certain points or benchmarks where, you know, you take a step back and look at your, how you're spending your time and energy. And like you said, there's times where you may be working crazy hours at a job and putting in grinding and putting in the hours. And then you get to a point where, how can I find a little more balance because, you know, relationships or other things, family commitments come into play. And, um, I think your point about the happiness being that litmus test is so true, right? Are you, Feeling fulfilled? Are you happy? Where are you content um, with not just what the nine to five or longer hours, even for some, may look like, but also what's filling your life outside of that? And are you content with you know everything you have um, around you?
1: Yeah, and I think you know for many people, um, you know, the last year or so has shined a, a big light on that. Um, yeah. More so than in the past when. You know we've had a chance to take a step back and sort of analyze everything that's going on in our lives a little bit by force
0: yeah absolutely yeah so many things now that we took for granted that you don't realize those little things how um precious and what a privilege it is to have things like roof over your head and your health and your family's health and things like that
1: yeah absolutely
0: well, thank you so much, Sudhir, for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation and learning more about your career and how you're making an impact at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Um, thank you so much again and wishing you all the best this year.
1: Well, thank you, Katie. It was my pleasure and go Bruins.
0: You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Sudhir Das of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. You can find more information on Sudhir in the description of the episode. Follow UCLA Alumni Career Engagement on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin's success. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your support on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time we're back with Josh Arce of the City of San Francisco. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.